You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode 22. Today, we'll be talking about a few uh, important topics. Number one, you will notice that I'm wearing purple. Today is Rowan's Law Day, which is the first official Rowan's Law Day, and this is to basically commemorate the launching of Rowan's Law, which is a new legislation in Ontario uh, centered around concussion uh, protection, uh, concussion management, uh, and it's named after Rowan Stringer, who was a high school rugby player in Ottawa that unfortunately passed away after having um, multiple concussions in a very short period of time. And so this legislation is designed to uh, both bring awareness as well as proper management for concussion injuries when they happen. This is the first legislation in Canada. Uh, in the United States, there is legislation in every single state. Um, in Canada, Ontario is the first province to do this, and we are showing our support for Roman's Law um, today in Canada by wearing the color purple, which was her favorite color. Uh, it's also National Coaches Week in Canada, and so there's a hashtag that is trending, hashtag thanks coach, and that is to basically celebrate all the positive impact that coaches have in our lives uh, in, in amateur sports. And uh, to celebrate that, CCMI, Complete Concussion Management, is offering our coach and trainer sideline concussion education course completely free for this week. If you go to completeconcussions.com and go to the coaches and trainer section and find our course, you can enter the promo code THANKSCOACH, all one word, T-H-A-N-K-S-C-O-A-C-H, 2018. Thanks coach 2018, all one word, and that will give you the coach and trainer course completely free for this entire week. When does that end, Rick? Sunday? October 2nd. October 2nd? Okay. So there you go. Take advantage of that. If you are a coach or you know a coach, please forward them that promotional code, and it'll have uh, give them some free coach education on concussion, uh, which ties in really nicely with Rowan's Law Day, because one of the things being coach education for concussion. So here we are, full circle. So our three questions today, uh, one is concerning uh, the VOMS, which is the vestibular ocular motor screen. The other, uh, the next question is um, considering physical exertion testing in athletes. And the third is considering um, uh, concussion testing for people with persistent symptoms, mostly in a pediatric population. So we'll get right into it here. The first question comes from Kylie. If someone has increased symptoms and is positive with every VOMS test, that's vestibular ocular motor screen, would you give them rehab for every aspect or just two or three, and where would you prioritize? So this happens quite frequently, actually. If somebody has vestibular or ocular motor um, impairment or dysfunction, when you run them through a VOMS test, you're going to find that a lot of these areas become positive, whether you're doing smooth pursuits or saccades or... Uh, um, vestibular ocular reflex and that type of thing, it'll all of them will provoke symptoms and all of them will be seen to be problematic. And so I find that the way that I prioritize this, rather than giving a patient every single exercise to do and throwing a whole bunch of stuff at them, I typically prioritize the most um, the ones that provoke symptoms the most. So the worst ones, the most problematic ones is generally where I'll start. So if somebody has 
increased, you know, symptoms with with everything, but their, you know, smooth pursuits tend to increase the symptoms more so than anything else. I'll provide them with smooth pursuits, maybe one or two exercises to start, and I'll see how that goes, and then I'll and then I'll go on to the other ones. And you can kind of be smart about which ones you prioritize, and it depends on what the patient is presenting with. If the patient has um, you know, major increases with a whole bunch of things, I would start them with something easier. So for example, VOR and gate stabilizations is implementing a whole bunch of systems all at once. So rather than having them start there, if smooth pursuits was also very high, I might get them just going with basic ocular tracking to start and then build them up into that VOR. So that's kind of the answer for that. It's really tough to answer that question without having the patient in front of you. Uh, this is something that we cover in our in our course, um, our full practitioner certification course, uh, and that right there is a, is a pretty major topic in and of itself of how to prioritize uh, that stuff. So for more information, I would check out the full course on that, um, just because you know we obviously don't have time to get into too much of it here. Uh, the next one comes from Martino Physical Therapy. Does your program have a gold standard graded exercise test or individualize it per patient? So in terms of physical exertion testing, there is, there's nothing really considered to be a gold standard for a physical exertion test, but there are ones that have um, some pretty decent evidence on it. And the one that comes to mind is the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test. Now, the way that this test is utilized is for um, patients that are in the acute stages and they're currently, they've returned you know, to school, they've returned to work, and now you're ready to start them back into return to play. We will typically run the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test prior to putting them back on the field for non-contact practice or putting them back on the ice for non-contact practice. The Buffalo Treadmill Test is designed to look for physiologic and blood flow issues that are still lingering. So the patient may feel better at rest, but this gets their heart rate up in a very graduated fashion and um, allows us as clinicians to see whether they're ready or not to take on physical exertion. So we do this first in clinic before we return them back to non-contact sport. We also use this test during uh, with people with post-concussion syndrome. So one of the first things that we do if somebody comes in with persistent concussion symptoms, we tend to put them on the treadmill and try to see at what heart rate those symptoms are provoked. And then we provide them with a guided sub-symptom threshold monitored exercise protocol to try and overcome that issue. So that physical exertion test is used for two different things. The other physical exertion test that we use is more sport-based, more sport-specific, and it's only for athletes who have completed the Buffalo treadmill test and have completed two non-contact practices. So they've done the entire return to play, and now they're back in the clinic looking for that final clearance, that final sign-off. We'll actually run them through a test called the Chicago Blackhawks test, which is also called the Gapsky-Goodman test. This is a test that um, we got from the Blackhawks medical staff, and we've been utilizing it in our clinics for a few years now. And we just finished up a research study on this, and I actually presented this at the North American Brain Injury Society conference in Houston uh, this past year. And what we found with this is out of about a 1,000 players 
that had all gone through, in all different sports, they had gone through return to learn back in school. They had passed their Buffalo concussion treadmill test. They had done two non-contact practices, and they were back in the clinic looking for medical clearance. We would run them through the Chicago Blackhawks test or the Gavsky-Goodman test, and we found that about 15% of them actually fail that test, indicating an incomplete recovery and, an, and being not ready to return to sport. Then, what we also found is if we took the 85% of those athletes who passed that test and we ran them through our baseline test battery, we found that about 30% more would fail some element of that baseline test battery. So, to sum up on the physical exertion, we do use a lot of physical exertion. This is one of the most important points of concussion management that's happening right now. And there are ne not necessarily any gold standard tests, but the ones that are most heavily discussed in the literature is the Buffalo Concussion Treadmill Test. We find, though, that even if athletes have passed that test, they 15% of them will still fail the Chicago Blackhawks test, which is a more sport-specific, more intensive. It's designed to mimic a sporting environment. It's designed to challenge ocular systems, vestibular systems, cervical systems, blood flow, and it mimics a sporting environment with the heart rate going up and down uh, and a lot of variability in that measure. So uh, that is what we use for our physical exertion tests. And that study is actually um, under review right now, so hopefully you guys will be able to see it once it gets published. Uh, the third question, can the child SCAT-5 be used in the evaluation of post-concussion syndrome? I work with a pediatric population and have been experiencing symptoms for longer than six weeks. Do you have any recommendations for assessment tools for this population? So most of the tests that are out there, SCAT-5, uh, computerized neurocognitive testing, King-Devic testing, reaction time testing, you name it, those tests are basically designed and studied in the acute population. Most of those tests, particularly the SCAT, is basically useless after the first three to five days. The SCAT test has been found to normalize, and meaning normalize back to baseline levels, only after three to five days after injury. Symptoms outlast the SCAT. So the SCAT is basically a sideline test and a sideline test only, and it won't help you six weeks down the line. You can run one, uh, but I think it's a waste of everyone's time. The reason also is because you don't even know what the baselines were, so you can't even use it as a comparison to see how much how off they are, because the range of normal is quite wide, especially in a pediatric population. So. Uh, the SCAT-5 would be kind of a waste of your time. And most other tests are the same thing. So a lot of them will have different, you know, kind of longevity, we'll call it, or different sensitivity to pick up these dysfunctions. But most of them require you having a good baseline in order to be able to use it for any, you know, to add any value to your assessment. Because if you don't know where they started, you're basically just going, okay, great, your King Devic score is, uh, you know, 47 seconds. What does that mean? Well... It doesn't really mean anything because I don't know where you started at. So when it gets into the chronic population, most of the tests are now basically obsolete. What you have to do now is put your clinical cap on, and you have to think like a clinician, and you can't just rely on, well, I did a you know computer test, and it showed that they're deficient in these areas. So what are you going to do with that information? How does that help you? 
whenever you do something, you got to be thinking, okay, what am I hoping to get out of this? Okay, a lot of times people with concussion that don't have a good understanding of how it works, they don't feel comfortable with it, they'll just run tests for the sake of running tests so that they look like they're doing something, and but they're not really getting any information out of it. So you have to ask yourself, what am I hoping to get out of this test? So we've established SCAT is no good beyond three to five days, so doing it six weeks out is basically a waste of everyone's time. What I would do in this population, though, is I would start going through the PCS kind of management algorithms. Um, and obviously, like, these are very difficult to find because these are ones that we've developed on our own. But we've taken all of the literature that's out there and we put it all together to say, okay, what are the, what are the steps that we should be doing with somebody with PCS? What are the main causes of PCS? Why are some people still having symptoms 30 days beyond? And why are some people asymptomatic on day seven or day five? So the main causes of post-concussion syndrome are, number one, blood flow impairment. So what do we do? We put them on the treadmill. Number two, metabolic or inflammatory. What do we do? We're providing them dietary recommendations for that and also finding ways to help boost that energy level, however it may be. Number three, visual and vestibular. So what are you going to do? What are your tests for visual and uh, ocular motor dysfunctions, vestibular dysfunctions, and how are you going to help to rule that out? Number four is the cervical spine. What are you going to do for the cervical spine? How are you going to assess it? How do you know the symptoms aren't related to the neck dysfunction that may have happened at the same time as the injury occurred? And what type of rehab can you provide? And what type of assessments can you do on that? Number five is the psychological, anxiety, uh, depression, um, the misattribution of symptoms. Uh, a lot of patients with persistent symptoms end up just having anxiety disorders. So you have to be able to kind of help pick all this apart. Now, the way that the algorithms work is patient comes in and you start going through the list of items and possibility in certain orders and going, okay, this I've ruled out, so it's not that. Check that one off the list. Let's do this. Oh, you have some ocular motor dysfunctions. Okay, good. We're going to start having you do rehab there. Now let's check this. Here's kind of your diet plan based on how what you're eating, you know, what foods are potentially promote, uh, promoting uh, an inflammatory response, what supplements might be able to help kind of squash this down? Is there a hormone imbalance? Like all of this stuff is what ties into post-concussion syndrome. So in the acute stages, you might be able to get away with running tests and doing return to play and whatever else. But in the chronic state, most of those tests are now out the window. Now you're going, okay, how am I going to manage this patient? And how am I going to figure out why these symptoms are here? And what am I going to do to get rid of those symptoms? And if you do it right, it's extremely effective. That's the answer for that. Okay? So once again, Rowan's Law Day in Ontario. Uh, hashtag is Rowan's Law, I believe. Is it Rowan's Law Day or Rowan's Law? Rowan's Law. Um, and also, thanks, Coach. Another hashtag. Um, and that's it for episode 22. We'll see you guys next week. If you have any questions, send them in. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.